God, we love you. Amen. Amen. Let me be seated. So, uh, I was telling the crew last night as we got to celebrate Easter uh, last night at 5 about this wonderful episode that's happening at my house right now. My, my wife left on Thursday morning with one of my daughters, and they went to Uganda on me. I just got a text saying, worship like Ugandans today. So that means we're about to get jiggy with it, all right? For you older people, the teenagers are going, what's that mean? Um, so I tell you, they're just, I just got that message, but that means it's been, it's been interesting at my house. I love keeping my kids actually by myself. It's not that I don't miss my wife. But it forces me to spend more time with them. There's, there's really no option. It's not legal really to leave your six-year-old at home by themselves. And so it forces me to do that. And it also forces me to feed them. And being the exceptional parent that I am, yesterday we went to lunch at Costco. Less than $10, I fed five of us. So this is a brick. Um, and you get a beverage with it, you get a hot dog and a beverage. Anybody know how much that costs at Costco? $1.50. I saw a lot of you there. A uh, dollar, and you don't even have to have a membership to go to the food court area to feed a family of five for less than $10, right? And when they say, Dad, I'm still hungry, when people get up and leave, say, go grab that food, right? <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. Um, so, you know, hot dogs are interesting to me because hot dog, I like a good hot dog about four times a year. That's it. And it's got to be a good hot dog because my wife tells me what's in a hot dog. Like, she's like, Joel, you don't know what you're eating. There are beaks and feet and everything in there. I'm like, stop. stop. There's no way that's true. She's like, uh, YouTube it. I'm like, I don't want to YouTube it. Just stop telling me. Let me enjoy my hot dog. And so how I've combated that is now I only eat all beef hot dogs. Praise God for Costco. Because <laughs> there's a big sign, and it's got to be true. It says all beef hot dogs. Right? And I look, and I can't really read the fine print, so I'm sure it doesn't say anything bad. And so I go, and I get an all-beef hot dog, because to me, that means it, it can't be any beaks or feet or anything else in it. And so I go, and I enjoy a really good hot dog. And I want it just slightly overcooked, where the juices, when you bite into it, it pops out everywhere. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody else right now? Oh, yeah. There you go. Get your worship on. Um, and that's what, oh, it's, it's just so good. It's just so good, and I know sometimes there's a crunch and a grit to it, but I just imagine those being little baby carrots, and, and <laughs> I, I don't want to know what's in it. I, I know what's in it, but I don't want to know what's in this hot dog, and you don't want this one. This is from yesterday, um, but I don't want to know. Like, just let me enjoy. I tell my wife, just let me enjoy it. For this one moment, I'll fast the rest of the month. Please be quiet. And I'm telling her because she's like, no, you don't understand. It's so bad for you, and you're teaching our children to eat that stuff. I'm like, but it's cheap. <laughs> like, you want to go buy this homegrown chicken that's like all like $87 a pound. I'm like, no, give them a hot dog. And I just, I don't want to know. I'd rather just enjoy the hot dog. Stop telling me. But she's like, it's truth. And she just keeps going. It's truth. That's what it is. I'm like, oh, you know what? I think that's how a lot of us are when it comes to God. 
We want to believe what we want to believe. And we'd rather tell people, just stop telling me. I don't care what the truth is. Just let me believe what I want to believe. I want to live the life. I want to eat my hot dog. I want to do what I want to do. Will you stop telling me all the other stuff? And a lot of us are that way when it comes to our relationship with God. We just want to live our life, and we'll show up at church occasionally, but please, can I not just live my life and you stop telling me the other things I need to do, the other things I need to be, the way that I need to love, the way God's loved me? Leave me alone. I don't care what's in the hot dog. I just want to eat it and do it peacefully. And as soon as someone comes on the scene and they're like, hey, listen, you need to know what's in the hot dog, we're like, stop, I don't want to hear it. We're not even receptive to it. We're not even open to it. Anybody, you know what I'm talking about here. We don't necessarily want the truth about who God is because it will force you to change. You cannot remain the same. And so we start thinking about that. I mean, it's a big question. Do you want the truth about God and his son, Jesus? Because it'll force you to change. It'll force you to change. Why? Because most people's belief systems, they're not based on truth. Most people's belief systems are based on their own desires and their own traditions. Most people's belief systems are rooted in their own desires and their own traditions rather than truth. And we just want to be left alone and eat our hot dog. And we'd rather not be told that the little carrots aren't really carrots. And so today what I want us to do is I want to talk about the truth of who Jesus Christ is. Because that's what changes life. And so I want to walk through Luke chapter 24. I'd like to invite you to join me. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. There are four gospels, the beginning of the New Testament. And what we find in the gospels is we, we find four different translations or interpretations of the resurrection uh, of Jesus Christ. And they're not all identical, but none of them contradict one another. They actually build on each other. And in Luke chapter 24 is a wonderful place for us to be able to look and to, to gleam some understanding for what was happening. So let's begin just by reading this passage. And I'll be stopping along the way so that we can camp out there and learn more of what God is really doing. It starts with, but on the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb taking the spices that they had prepared. Now we'll just leave the passage of scripture up here if we can because what we already know is down here a little further in verse 10, I, will, I just want you to know who they were. It talks about Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and other women. These people are coming to prepare the body of Christ. And it tells us in verse 1, at early dawn they go to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared. Why are they going there? They're going there partially Maybe for some of the same reason that you're here today. They're partially coming out of reverence for who Christ was. 
They certainly did not expect to discover that the tomb was now empty. They were coming out of reverence. They wanted to bury the body of Christ. And so they were taking these spices, and they were going to go have the tomb open. They couldn't do it themselves, and they were going to have people open that up, and then they were going to prepare his body. We know Joseph of Arimathea had already donated this tomb for Christ to be buried in. And so here they come to the scene, and they expected to find Jesus' body. They had an expectation of finding him dead, but they did not. Some of us need to even evaluate our expectations. Maybe of why you're even here today. You're coming in like, I'm just here because afterwards I get to go hang out at my family's house. And we are going to eat honey-baked ham and hot dogs. I just threw the hot dog part in there. If you're eating hot dogs for Easter, you can come to my house. We will do far better. We've got peanut butter and jelly. Um, the wife is out of town. Um, so, you know, I just go, wow, have you come with even the right expectations today? Have you come with the expectation of recognizing that God wants to do something marvelous in your life, just as we witnessed before, right? As, as people are committing their lives to Christ and being transformed by his power. Recognizing that running away from Christ is actually running toward captivity. That freedom is only found in running to him. We just saw three people run toward freedom and the love and the power of Jesus Christ. And so here they are, early dawn, they're going to the tomb, but they don't find his body there. And it tells us they find, they find the stone rolled away from the tomb, and when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. When they got there, here's what they discovered. They discovered a miracle. They discovered God doing something amazing. They discovered God truly stepping into humanity to do something that nobody else could do. While they were perplexed about this, two men, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? When they were being spoken to by God, angels, God was using them to speak to them and to be able to communicate with them. This is God speaking to them, and God is speaking to you as well. Do you recognize that God is speaking to you? He gives us the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Maybe you're new to church and, and you don't quite grasp that. I don't think any human will fully ever grasp the Trinity. It's Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We know that he gives us his presence and his spirit that lives with us even today. It's a gift that, that Christ promised himself upon his ascension 40 days after his resurrection. He promises that very thing. We find it at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. And the Holy Spirit is left with us and he speaks to us and he communicates with us. And he encourages us and he, and he comforts us and he provides us with his strength when we feel that we are weak. That's the power of God. And right here, they have angels that God is speaking with and through to these individuals. And God is speaking to those ladies, and God is also speaking to you. And we know that every time God speaks, it demands what? A response. We're going to discover some of this response later on with these ladies. But as it continues on, verse 5, it talks about, why do you seek the living among the dead? They were, they were expecting to find the dead, and instead they found someone who was alive. And these famous words are, he is not here, but has risen. 
Remember how he told you why he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered these words. And returning from the tomb, they, had to- they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. They were given a message that would change the course of humanity. They were given truth. And as a response to that, they gathered, they soaked that up. And I'm still, I'm, I'm still convinced they're probably scratching their heads at times. But they took off and they started to tell other people. Because the news was that marvelous. And let me remind you. Okay, so when they're, they're here seeing this and they're being spoken to by angels... Um, to run out and start telling everybody else, to tell the disciples what had taken place, and to have this excitement that wasn't accepted by everyone. There was a reason they killed Jesus. The message that he brought was not popular. It was not well received by so many And so here they are, though, they seem to forget all of that, and they go, and they begin to tell people about what they just witnessed, this message that they had just discovered, that Christ has now been victorious. It then speaks of these ladies who are there, and it says, these words seem to them an idle tale. These apostles, they run out, and they tell these apostles here's what we just discovered but even the followers they're like it it can't be true it can't be true and some of you are going no this I know we've been worshiping Jesus Christ for thousands of years now but it can't be true and maybe you wouldn't say it with your mouth but you say it with the way that you live your life and you're going no it can't be really true it really cannot be true and you find some of the followers saying these very things, going, this, this, this isn't possible. And then you have others who go, well, I've got to figure it out for myself. You have people, pe- pe- people like Peter who jumps up and he runs to the tomb. So he can discover what really took place. It tells us in verse 12, Peter rose and he ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen clothes by themselves and he went home marveling what had happened. Here's what I love about this idea with Peter jumping up and running to the tomb. As so many of us... We somewhat think it's, it's, it's worth considering the truth of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so we kind of just take our time. Thinking to ourselves, I'll get to it one day of really worshiping Jesus Christ. I'll profess it now, but I'll really get busy with worshiping and honoring God. Maybe one day just before I die. And we casually approach this idea that God sent his son to die on the cross to give us eternal hope, eternal life, to give us a relationship right now. And we casually approach it and go, well, I'll kind of figure it out. It's as though we're crawling to discover truth rather than running to discover truth. If it is even remotely possible that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that He really is Messiah, even if there is a glimpse of truth in that idea, you had better jack up your cloak, you had better jack up your robe as they would have done, and you better start running. Because we don't know what tomorrow is really going to hold. And so here's Peter. He takes off and he runs. He wants to figure out what's going on. 
Here's a, a simplistic way of thinking about this story. Is that here's what Easter is. is Easter is Jesus permeating. Je- Easter is Jesus jumping in to your current life. Jumping into your currently, current reality. And giving you hope for the future. That's what Easter is. Easter is Jesus jumping in, permeating your current life, no matter what's taking place. He just jumps into it. There was no gentle, hey, I'll start in the shallow end and wade in. Maybe in a few years I'll get to my waist. There was no casual entry. The crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus Christ is God jumping into your life fully. Holding nothing back and giving you hope for the future like you've never known before. That's what it is. And I know that some of us struggle with that idea because we've had so much hurt and we've had so much pain and discomfort in our life. I know that some of us are struggling with that idea. How we can't reconcile God with being a good God and yet knowing that there is hurt and pain in our life. And some of you, that's your hang up. That's what you're not running to see if that tomb is really empty. You're not running to discover Christ, to surrender yourself fully to Him because you have this little niche or this little hang up in your life where you're going, wait a second, you don't understand, I lost my spouse. Or you don't understand how I was raised and I was beaten. You don't understand. How I have felt abandoned my whole life. Because God doesn't, God doesn't remove, he doesn't prevent bad things from happening. Otherwise we would have no choice in our life at all. We would be robots just doing whatever God wants. That's what would happen. And so he has to allow those choices to take place. I've mentioned once before, I've been hit by drunk drivers twice. Both by Ford F-150s. So every time I see a Ford F-150, I run. Right? And, and the, the first time, they jump the curb. I'm waiting to pull out, and they hit the side of the car, knocks the engine off the block of the car, spun me around a couple of times, and somehow I walked away from that. They said two feet up, the truck would have hit me, I would have been done. A few years later, all of a sudden, that's not as quite a friendly of a, a collision as a guy crosses the center lane, uh, had been drinking a lot, hits me, um, and for several weeks, glass is growing out of my arm. They had to cut the steering wheel back, pull me out of the car. Somehow, I walked away from the hospital that night, and I preached the next morning. God didn't make those things happen. Sin made those things happen. I've never been angry at God about those things. But I'm telling you now, sin is what made those things happen. It is by the grace of God that he never allowed me to become bitter and angry about those things. And some of us are struggling with the fact that there are bad things that have happened in our life. And we need to allow ourselves to at least walk toward the empty tomb so that we can discover grace and peace and comfort.
John chapter 11 is right, it's a passage right before Christ. He's really going into Jerusalem for the very last time. It's when his friend Lazarus had died. And he walks up and he sees Lazarus' sisters, Mary and Martha there. And some of the words are very telling to me because here's Martha. Martha communicates the following. He says, if you had only, here comes Jesus, late to the party if you would, right? And um, here comes Martha and Jesus encounters her and she says, if you would have only have been here. Anybody remember this? But if you had only have been here. Jesus' response are tears, crying because of the hurt that his friends were experiencing. But Jesus knew what was about to take place. And some of us are going, Jesus, if you would have only have been present, if you, if you would have only have been here. And so we're not letting God really jump fully into our lives because of our own hurt and our own pain. We have a lot of current truths. We have a lot of current realities in our life. For some, you know, I think about Peter. I think Peter struggled probably with uh, failure. <laughs> Maybe that's a good word for it because, right, it's just uh, a couple of days before this that Peter's like, I'll, I'll always serve you. And Jesus looks at him and says, hey, before the rooster crows three times, I'm go you're going to abandon me. You're going to deny me. Peter's like, no, that'll never happen. And, of course, it happened. I think people like Martha and maybe you, we've struggled with loss, and that's our current reality. And Jesus is wanting to jump into that current reality and bring you some peace and some comfort in the temporary pain. Some of us are struggling with a lack of belief. So the man comes up to Jesus Christ and he, he's a believer, but he says, Jesus, help my unbelief. And we're truly, we're struggling with true belief, true dependence upon God. I think about Thomas, right? Doubting Thomas. And that's current reality for some of us. Current reality for some of us is the anger that we have toward our family and toward our parents Right, not long ago, I was talking to a guy who doesn't go to church here. They found out what I did. We're speaking. The guy is 58 years old, and he is angry at his father. I said, well, have you spoken to him? No, he died six years ago, he said. But I'm still so angry at him. And some of us, we are struggling with that type of pain, that type of hurt. Some of us are struggling with this thing called fear, and we make all of our decisions based on fear. We're so concerned and consumed by what others may think of what we're doing that we don't even can give any thought to what God might want to be doing. We're struggling with the fact that Jesus is God jumping into your current reality to give you hope. That's what Easter is all about. That's why he wept when he saw the city for the very last time entering into Jerusalem. Because he saw their brokenness. And so on Good Friday, he chose to be broken. But we know that the victory comes in the understanding that the tomb is now empty. And you were sitting back and going, I know, pastor, I've heard it before. I've heard this before, pastor. I, saw, I was here a year ago. Hello. What's your current reality? I mean, be honest with God. 
Some of you are just struggling with the pain and the hurt and misery. Some of you are struggling with pride. You're here because your spouse makes you be here, but otherwise you probably wouldn't be. Some of you are here because you feel like it's the right thing to do is to let your children see that you're here. But if you didn't have family, you probably wouldn't be here if you're honest with yourself, which means you probably don't fully connect with the fact that this whole story is about God, the creator of the universe, wanting to change your life, not just your children's lives, your lives. That's what Easter is. God jumping in, Jesus jumping into your current reality and saying, I don't care what you've been through. I don't care what your pain is. I am greater. I endured it all for you. The tomb is now empty. You are going to experience a resurrection like none other. That's why we need to know Romans 6.23. I'm going to throw it up here so you can see it. It says, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. You had no hope without Jesus. And yet here comes Jesus rushing in on the scene and saying, here I am. Here is hope. Here is a future. Here is a promise. Here is joy. Here is comfort. That's hope for our future. So some of us are struggling with this current reality, but there is hope for our future. That's why it tells us in Philippians 3.10 that we may know him and the power of his resurrection. God wants you to know the power of the resurrection. That we may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. I think about our friend Jody Orn and what she was sharing earlier in the service about what Easter is. And people that we get to help who are leading people in illegal churches to worship him. Did you, did you hear her when she mentioned the country and she said it's one of six churches in that country? And yet they know the power of the resurrection, amen? 1 Peter 1.3 says, Blessed be the God. And Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. One of the things I love so much about the life of Christ is he just never blows smoke. He just always is upfront, and he tells you what he expects and he tells you what he means. This last Wednesday night I was speaking to a group of guys and I was thinking about the cost of discipleship because that's where in Luke chapter 14 you have this section, it's called cost of discipleship, you can go look at it. All these people start following him. By the way, at his death you're looking at 120 people, right? So before this, not long before this, all these thousands of people are following him. This great crowd of people is following him and Jesus turns around. Right? Imagine just this swarm of thousands of people, and he turns around and he calls out to them, if, you, if any of you not willing to hate your mother and father, brother and sister, everybody else, you cannot be my disciple. He says a few other words, and he turns around and keeps going. If I would have been there, as soon as Jesus would have said those things and turned around and kept going, I would have jumped in and said, okay, guys, let me tell you what he really means. He loves you. I would have tried to, to pat it. I would have tried to soften the message, right? But Jesus doesn't ever do that. He just says, this is what it is. I am worth, I am greater than anything else in the world. And if you don't really believe that, 
You're holding your arms up against God and his desire to jump into your current life. You're saying, no, please don't come, please don't come, please don't come. But he's yelling out, I'm greater, I am worth more, don't you understand this? Here's a, maybe this is an easier way for us to understand it. Um, it's something called alternative history, that's what I want us to do. Alternative history is something that's very real, historians do this, and they come and they say, what if some event never would have happened? My wife and I have done that. Like if I would have taken a certain jobs before I met her, right, I was going to move to Australia. And I was all but going and I decided, no, I'm going to go do something different. And I uh, went ahead and went to seminary earlier than I thought. All that led to me meeting my wife. All of a sudden, children are everywhere. They're like rabbits. And so it's, we're just, like all of that would have changed if I would have taken that other job. And you go, well, what would have happened, you think, if I would have gone to a different school? Or if I would have married this other individual. So I want to play this idea of with alternative reality. And I'm going to start helping us understand hopefully a little bit. To think about for a moment. What would it be like if Easter never happened? And hopefully the goal is that it's going to take jumper cables from the empty tomb. And just put them right, connect them to your heart. And just make you get it like that. So here's one of the things, hopefully, that we can relate to. One of the things that would have changed is this, all right? This is alternative reality. If Jesus never rose from the dead, if Easter did not happen, here's one of the things that would look radically different, the United States of America. This country was founded on that. And some people are like, no, it's not. People are just making that up. They don't know what they're talking about. They're insane, literally, just in terms of a historical perspective, in terms of truth. They set off the coast in the Northeast, and that you ever heard of this thing called the Mayflower? The Mayflower Compact, uh, they had this writing, and this is what they wrote as they were establishing the, this country. They wrote that, the, the, this, that this country is for the purpose of, listen to this, the glory, in quotes, the glory of God and the advancement of Christian faith. And so if there would have been no resurrection, do you think that the United States of America would look like what it is today? And look at how far we have dropped. Look at how much we have fallen. That's reality. That's alternative history, right? Another thing that would have changed is I'm just going to write care, physical care. The vast majority of hospitals and clinics in the United States of America was started because of Jesus Christ and his word speaking and saying to care for the needy, to care for the hurting. The vast majority of hospitals began that way. And it's just one after another after another. Believers, Christians pouring money, pouring resources into starting these places. I know we've stepped away from that now, but that was the very reason that all of these places were starting. Alternative reality is we would not be caring for people the way we care for without the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Another thing that would have changed, our schools. And I know it's somewhat rough now. Harvard, Yale, Princeton, all of these started for one reason, to teach people what it is to live a Christian faith. And to teach them about Jesus Christ. Go look at the original documents of Harvard. And now, right now at Harvard, you can't take a Christian class, but you can take one on Islam. 
and yet it founded with that reason. This is just factual. And so I look at it, right? And I go, man, alternative history is all of this would look different from what it is now. I'll give you some other illustrations. One of the things that would look very, very different is this thing called hope. And if you want to just scribble down, you don't have to go there with me. I know we're getting short on time, but if you'll scribble down 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15, if you would write that down. And um, before you eat Easter meal together, read that out loud. 1 Corinthians 15, 14, it says the following. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and our faith is in vain. Meaning there's no need for hope. There is no hope. It goes further than that, though. Another thing that would not be in existence in the same way is this thing called forgiveness. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 17, he says, And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Meaning this, there is no forgiveness. You are still in your sins. But it goes even further. There's this thing called freedom. Right? As I said earlier, when you turn away from Christ and don't fully recognize the resurrection and what that means for your life, you're actually running toward captivity. And think of that. Think of the fact that if there's no resurrection in Jesus Christ and you believe everything is just going to kind of fade away, what purpose is there? There is none. And so we recognize alternative history means that there would be no freedom. Everything would change in terms of our understanding of heaven and our understanding of what true love is. God is love. Renewal, right, would look different. Healing would look different. Meaning and purpose would look different. Another thing that would look very, very different, because we do need to understand, many of us today are living as though Easter never happened. If you jump into your normal day and you just kind of do what you want to do, you're living as though Easter never really happened. If you say that you believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it doesn't give you the option of changing. If you believe it, it forces change. Because that means there has been transformation. If Easter never happened, the greatest thing we lose, and I know it's hard to see, but the greatest thing we lose is victory. Why? Because we understand that Easter is Jesus running in, jumping into our reality, no matter your hurt, no matter your pain, and giving us a hope for the future like we've never known before. I, 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 we can't take the time for this. I kind of want to walk up to every single person. About 18 inches away. You can't get closer than that. I know there's a bubble. And I want to tell you all that God, through his son, Jesus Christ, has jumped into your reality 
to love you even if you don't love yourself. And to bring healing when you think your life is too far gone. And to bring peace even though some of you have felt abandoned for years and years and years. I'm asking for you to never live as though the resurrection is not real. To let it seep in to every crack, every crevice of your life. Don't isolate anything from the power of God. He doesn't want to run in and just say, hey, shove everything you don't like into the closet and then open up the living room. He's saying, guys, I want all of it. I don't care how messy it is. I don't care how much of a struggle it is. You need to know that no matter what the pain is, our God is greater. The resurrection is real. Jesus Christ and his hope and his promises and his love is real. It's Jesus jumping into your life and going, I'm here, you can't get rid of me. Isn't that good? Is that the Jesus you're willing to worship and to celebrate? And if you're on that journey of going, you just, you're going, man, I want that. I, I, if that's true, I want that. We are, healed. we are here to help you in any way that we possibly can. We will get dirty with you and get messy with you because we know in the end the story is the same for everybody who declares faith in Jesus Christ. He is victorious. Is that the God you worship today? Because he has risen. He has risen. The tomb is empty. And for that, we praise his name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. For there is victory in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Don't act as though the resurrection is not real. You can't go, oh, Jesus saved me, praise God. Where's my Hawaiian roll at lunch and my ham? Really? You can't do it. You can't shut up about it because it's overwhelmed you so much. Guys, you can, you, I, can, I can quit my job, you can fire me. Here's one thing you can't keep me from doing. Telling the world that Jesus Christ is risen. Because it overwhelms me because I know how much of a schmuck I am without him. And that's okay to me. I'm a schmuck, but I want to live in eternity. Woo! I'll take it. No longer will we act as though the resurrection is not real. For it is real. The Son of God has risen to life. And in doing so, He has given you life. And for that, we say thank you. Lord, we come before you in the name of Christ. And we worship you and we praise you. And we ask that you would do immeasurably more than we could ever 
imagine in our own personal lives, but also in the life of this church and this community as we declare your goodness. God, there are some people right now, they just have to make a decision. They have to decide in this moment whether or not they're going to truly live as though the resurrection is real. May they have the power and the courage to say yes in Christ's name. Amen.